You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to go look back at the wide receiver position and who is going to have to step up big in replace of Jamon Osman. On top of that, we're going to recap week one of the Aggies in the NFL, a former segment we used to do on the daily, figure out how they performed and who was the star of the week. And finally, give you our number 14 player in our top 25 Aggies to watch for in the 2020 season. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, we're on five days a week. Every single day is a Locked On Aggies podcast day. Give me a follow and give me your thoughts on what you would like to see changed. And secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here at LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, Listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So Monday was a sad day. I mean, there's no other way to really say it, but it was a sad day. And that's because of Jamad Osmond elected to opt out for the 2020 season and forego his final year of eligibility for the NFL draft. Now, let's make this clear. A guy like quarterback James Foster, who, by the way, we're going to bring him up in a quick second, or a guy like Derek Tucker or a guy like Elijah Blades, all have opted out for the year. They still have not decided if they're going to go to the NFL after this year or go transfer schools. So their Aggie days could be done, but they also could be back. And that's something that Jimbo Fisher has pressed on in the past about how there's no guarantee with these players. Right now, we expect them to be back for the 2021 season. Osmond's the first. Osmond is the very first to go, you know what? I've had my fun. I've done my time. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get out of here. And I'm going to go to the NFL. And while it's a good deal for him, because if he is, in my opinion, the most talented receiver A&M has seen in the past three years, and that includes guys like Courtney Davis, that includes guys like uh, Kendrick Rogers, that includes guys like Cameron Buckley, since Christian Kirk, Osmond's been the guy. And that's really the only way I could say it. He's consistent. He's a great route runner. You can play him all over. He's done a great job at the Z position. He does a good job at the flanker position. He does a good job in the slot. The only thing he really can't play is the X split end because he doesn't have the size. Besides that, he can play any position on the field. It's a big blow to AM and it's a big blow to Kellen Mond. Because this has been Kellen Mond's go-to target. His entire career under center, it's been Osmond. Osmond, Osmond, Osmond. His first check down every single time. You watch his eyes go to number two. And now he's not going to have his top target going into the year. Unfortunately, it's a loss for him, but it's a win for the wide receiver group who is young, inexperienced, and want to make an impact. So who are the five names that are going to have to speak up and be a consistent player in 2020? Let's break them down. Coming in at number five for me is going to be Caleb Chapman. Listen, nothing against the kid. I think Chapman is a good player. I think he has great experience. I think that what you looked at what he did... During his days in high school, when he was playing for Friendswood, and six foot five, good good kid. I mean, he was a good good sized player, but he was a redshirt freshman last year, and he couldn't break out. And then I Smith actually beat him out for snap for snaps. 
He had one catch for six yards. That was it. I expect him to maybe double those numbers. I hopefully hope he does, you know, especially with no one out there. But I don't see him being more than a red zone target, big time threat. And, And you know what? Those are important. But the consistency of moving the ball, can he be that? I'm not sure. So I can't put him much higher than five going into the year. Coming in number four for me, I'm going to go with Jalen Preston. Now, Preston's numbers were a little bit better than Caleb Chapman last year. He finished with three catches, 36 yards. He averaged 12 yards per catch. Uh, This is a guy who is going to be a sophomore this year. You know, as a true freshman, you kind of like seeing that. You like seeing that they get a little bit involved with the second-team offense. Coming from Manville, you know, this is a winning program that we've always seen throughout the state of Texas. Six-foot-two, pretty good comparison to Osmond. Maybe a little bit taller than Osmond. But definitely have the measurables. This is going to be the guy who I think you see move around a lot. He'll play in the slot. He'll play the flanker. He'll play the Z. He'll play on, uh, I think he'll play in a lot of trip formations. He will be an effective guy across the middle of the field. I think that he will be a name people remember a little bit more towards the middle of the season. I think early on you could see him make an impact. So Vanderbilt game. If he finished with four catches for 92 yards and two touchdowns, that wouldn't shock me. He's got speed. He's got agility. And he's good and he can play kind of anywhere on the field. But I expect him to struggle against those top opponents. So Florida, Alabama, all those I could see him having struggles with. Coming in number three. This is going to be a surprising one. But it's Devon Ashane. Let me explain why it's Ashane. Ashane was a do-it-all player at Fort Ben Marshall. This kid ran. This kid threw. This kid caught. This kid made people miss. That's all he did. And you know what's going to happen this year? There's going to be a lot of moments where the checkdown plays into the factor. And guess what? Osmond usually is that checkdown guy at six yards. So you swing your running back out. He has a little button hook. You have him right there. Tackle main, gain is six. Keeps the change rolling. Ashane is too talented to not play in 2020. He's just too good. His speed is explosive. His speed makes people nearly crap their pants. Everything you look at what Ashane can bring to a table for an offense. He's like that tool you use to clean out the garbage disposal that just makes everything flow really fast. Uh, I always get the name of it, but it's one of those drain pipe cleaners that everything just immediately flies out after. He's the pipe. Literally, you stick him in there, everything's going to flow with it. He's too good to leave on the bench this year. And it'd be a big blow for AM if they don't play Ashane. But I do expect him to be less of a runner and more of a pass catcher. And as a pass catcher... Your initial job is make the first defender miss. If you can make the first defender miss, you are setting yourself up for positive yards on a consistent level. It may not be a lot. Yeah, positive yards could mean three yards, five yards, seven yards. But you're setting yourself up for positive yardage play. That's what you got to love about a guy like Ashane and what he can do. Number two, Dylan Wright. I'm going to keep harping down on this. Dylan Wright was a quarterback who transferred over to wide receiver. But it's time for him to start playing at a high level. This was a kid coming out of Mesquite, Texas. Four-star rating. Pure athlete. If he's a pure athlete, let's see what he can do out on the field. Because if it, I think that he has all the intangibles 
to be a speedster. He has all the intangibles to be more than just a one-trick pony. He has great footwork, especially if you ever watch him play quarterback. His footwork is bananas ridiculously good. And then you got to look at his route running. And everything that I've heard coming out of camp, he's done a good job. But you have a four-star recruit who could play any position and you put him at wide receiver. Make it work at wide receiver. Because now you need to make it work at wide receiver. I think that, you know, you have guys like Moose Muhammad Jr., Ezekiel Jones. Uh, I'd even go, you throw Cam Brown in the mix. They all could do something. But you have a four-star talent in Dylan Wright. Use him properly. Use him the way that you see fit and get him out there to go. But number one's got to be Demond Demas. If there's not been enough pressure on the kid who has yet to even take a snap at AM and has barely been through practice, this is the time where it's going to happen. It's a top 25 recruit. It's a kid that everyone expects to be the future of AM's offense. They expect him to be a breakout star. And this is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver prospect AM has gotten since Mike Evans. Mike Evans has had a heck of an NFL career. Mike Evans had a heck of a two year run for Texas AM. He was the star. Demas has all the intangibles to be the exact same. Six foot two, good size. Maybe not going to be a great flank uh, split end. But you definitely can make an impact as a large slot. You're going to get an impact on the outside, especially if you have good speed. Hands are glue. Throw something his way, he's going to catch it. He is going to catch it. He's got great agility. If you haven't watched him at the Polynesian Bowl, he overshot three offensive linemen and did a flip. You don't think that's agility that's going to come into play during the regular season at some point? Yeah, get out of here. This is the guy who will step up for AM. The question is, how much pressure are we going to put on him to be an immediate X factor when he's still trying to figure out the playbook? If he can, though, in a 10-game season, I mean, this, this is a kid who's going to finish with at least 850 yards. I can't go a whole 1,000 because I don't know how many players are going to reach the 1,000-yard marker with 10 games, especially when you're playing in conference play. Because a lot of those games, you get most of your yardage against the FCS opponents. You play two quarters and you already have 222 receiving yards. And then you're done. So I'll say he gets about 800 if he can play at the highest level. But the pressure's on. Because he was already likely going to be considered a starter for AM. Now he's likely going to be considered the number one target for AM. And that sucks for him. But it's great for AM if the potential is there. Guys, this episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com is an online family auto part customer service that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have all the type of auto parts you could ever need, and they are easy to install yourself. Take Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints, for instance. He had the tailgate stolen off the back of his car, called rockauto.com, went online, ordered the part for the tailgate, had it shipped to his house, and installed it himself for a fraction of the price of what most auto part companies would charge you for Go visit rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. It's amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts around your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? 
The Lockdown Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up for your fantasy sports season. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. So the NFL season kicked off earlier this week, and it concluded on Monday night as the Denver Broncos played host to the Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee Titans, and if not for Steven Gaskowski living through Groundhog Day and finally breaking the streak, they probably would have gone home losers. But instead, he made a chip shot from 30 yards out with 14 seconds left to give the Titans a 14-16 to victory over the Drew Lockwood Broncos. Now, again... This is really not on anything the offense did, who did have some struggles, but overall played a pretty consistent game. And something on what the defense did, because both teams actually were adequate on both sides of the ball. Really, the difference of points was Goskowski, who should be gearing up his resume for a chance to be employed by another team, when eventually, Tennessee says, hit the bricks, bud, because of last night, the Monday night debacle was, uh, yeah, that was on you, and uh, we should have won that game by 10, and you cost us. But while the former Aggie quarterback in Tannehill gets his first win on the year, there were other Aggies in the NFL who also made an impact. So, real fast, you already knew Vaughn Miller, Justin Evans, and Deshaun Hall are all on injured reserve. They will not be playing. Some, maybe they'll come back in week three. Others, probably not the rest of the season. However, it was a big weekend for second-year linebacker Tyrell Dodson, Mike Evans, and Josh Lambeau. So let's see how the Aggies fare to the NFL. Mike Evans has been looking for a franchise quarterback since his time in Tampa Bay, but it really hasn't mattered because he's finished every season with over 1,000 yards since his 2014 draft spot. Now he's got Tom Brady, and Brady wasn't perfect as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the New Orleans Saints 34-23, but even after being questionable with a hamstring injury all week, he made one catch in the fourth quarter, and it was a two-yard touchdown to put the Buccaneers back in play, eventually losing to the NFC favorite Saints. Washington says Shazer Everett is now a team captain for the first time in his career, and he made an impact on special teams, which is where he predominantly plays and is the captain of, with one solo tackle in the team's 27-17 come-from-behind victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Miles Garrett, being in Cleveland, recently got a big-time payday, recently was considered the defensive MVP favor going into the year, had struggles. He only finished with one tackle in a lopsided 38-6 loss to the AFC contender Baltimore Ravens. We head up to the Motor City where the Chicago Bears were playing the Detroit Lions and Jermaine Effetti got his first chance to start with his new team at right guard. God, this game was a mess to send its own. Now, he did play a vital role in the passing game, helping Mitchell Trubisky pass for over 214 yards. They also had a total of 363 total yards on the day. Detroit would lose because of a pass to former SEC running back DeAndre Swift, 27-23, while Mitchell Trubisky lasts another week inside of the Windy City. Headed on out to the desert, Christian Kirk. Not really that big of an impact, even though his new teammate DeAndre Hopkins was the star of the NFL this past weekend. He only made one catch and was gained in zero yards, targeted four times. He also had two punt returns and averaged four yards per, per return. If you go down to Jacksonville, by the way, Minshew Mania is alive and well. It's a lot because of Josh Lambeau. Josh Lambeau was 2-for-2 on field goals, connecting from 50 and 46 yards out. He was also 3-for-3 on extra points. 
the Indianapolis Colts would lose to the Jaguars 27-20. You gotta give it up for Braden Mann because he's gonna be playing through a lot this year with the New York Jets, but he actually wasn't that bad. He had six punts, averaging 46.3 yards per attempt, and his first pro kick was the longest of the day that went 58 yards. The Atlanta Falcons played host to the Seattle Seahawks and still the Stanworth at the left tackle. Jake Matthews helped the team throw for over 526 offensive yards, even though the Falcons fell short to Seattle 38 to 25. 434 of those came through passing, 72 rushing. This was a big day for Matt Ryan. Speaking of linemen, Eric McCoy helped Drew Brees have a pretty good day as well. 271 total yards, 189 passing, 82 rushing. New Orleans gets the 34-23 victory over Tampa Bay. Demontre Moore comes back to the team. He is back in the NFL after a brief stint in the AAF after last year with the San Francisco 49ers. He's now with Seattle, and he finished with two solo tackles on the day. If you head down to Sunday Night Football, Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Josh Reynolds didn't make a big impact, but his one impact did lead to an eventual touchdown for Los Angeles. He had one catch for 17 yards in the team's 20-17 victory over the likes of the Dallas Cowboys. Heading out of the Big Apple, Damian Ratley with his new team in the New York Football Giants was targeted once, but did not receive a catch in the 26-16 loss. We go all the way back to Monday real fast. Armani Watts, big time moment for the third year pro as he recovered an onside attempt and ran it back 28 yards to actually set up for another field goal and another scoring drive for Kansas City. They get the big time win over the Houston Texans to open up their season. Congratulations, Armani, on being a Super Bowl champion and also making a big time play. Next up. We got Jay Sternberger in a game where Aaron Rodgers was targeting everybody left and right. He was targeted once. He did not receive a single catch, and the Green Bay Packers went on to win that game big. Finally, last but not least, let's talk about Ryan Tannehill on Monday night. The Titans beat defeated the Broncos 16-14. He went 29-43 of in passing for 249 yards, scoring two touchdowns. He also ran for 14 yards on three carries. Not a bad start to his NFL season in year two with the Titans. Definitely made some inconsistencies. He got very lucky. There was an acrobatic interception by Michael Ololehi. I think that's how you say his last name. And he got lucky because there was a defensive holding call on Alexander Johnson. Outside of that, he was pretty consistent. And again, if the defense plays the way the defense plays, they can be consistent enough for Tannehill to be average. And they likely will at least be in contention for a playoff spot. That's just my opinion of it. We're moving right along with our 25 Aggies in 25 days as we prepare for the opening kickoff against Vanderbilt. Who comes in at number 14? Don't go anywhere. We'll be explaining who in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Make sure you also listen on iTunes, Spotify, or LockedOnPodcast.com. Time for 25 Aggies in 25 days. This is the part of the show where we've been doing on a regular basis where we name one of the Aggies that we're going to preview this upcoming week. And we are already at number 14. Now, again, this is all getting prepped for Vanderbilt that comes to town on September 26th as the Aggies play host at Kyle Field. That game will kick off at 6.30 on SEC Alternative Channel. Hopefully you guys can watch it. I know I'll be watching so, coming in, number 25 for me was Haynes King, just in case of anything. Number 24 was Devon Ashane. Number 23 was Brian Cole. 
Number 22, Devin Morris. Number 21, Caleb Chapman. Number 20, Dylan Wright. Number 19 was Danelle Harris. Number 18 was Ryan McCollum. Number 17 and number 16, I just kind of molded them together, was Jared Hawker and Kenyon Green. And number 15 was Jalen Jones. Number 14. This one might be a little surprising, but I don't think it is too, too, too surprising. It's Anaya Smith. I'd put him higher if he was playing a wide receiver position. If he was playing his role as that slot guy, as that scat back. Unfortunately, he's going to be taking reps with Isaiah Spiller in the backfield. And that alone is just going to eat into his own pressure. Now, again, when on the field, Smith has to be effective. He's got great speed. He has amazing agility. He was a speedster, track star at Dulles High School. So now you look at what he can do in the backfield. He's going to be that change of pace runner. You have your bruiser and spiller, who's eventually going to be mentioned on this list. But then you have your guy who, when you see him in the backfield, maybe he's going to go outside and beat you on the edge. Maybe he's going to work his way inside, somehow just pick up a few yards. But if he breaks free, good luck stopping him. It's going to be effective as a pass catcher. This is a guy last year that finished with 30 catches for 217 yards and three touchdowns. So we know his hands are good. And originally, he was presented as a wide receiver to the group. So I don't see a problem with him being involved in the passing game. However, when you see those snaps limited because if you have to worry about Isaiah Spiller and what he did last year as a workhorse, that's where you wonder, okay, how much are we going to see this guy in 2020? It's not a bad thing. It really isn't. Smith is a good complimentary player who, in most offenses, would likely be considered a top running back, or if not, he'd still be, be a wide receiver. The biggest thing is, can he make an impact on both sides? Can he be an impactful with his hands as a catching option? Can he be impactful out of the backfield as a rushing option? And will he have the blocks to be able to work upfield at his five foot eleven frame, 180, to be able to take on those hits? All those things worry me. However, if they don't all be problems and they all are perfect, he's in a really good spot for a big-time year. I can't put him higher than 14 because of the other players mentioned. I'm just going to give you a hint. It's a lot of defense. It's a quarterback. It's a tight end. It's a running back. All of them have much more significant strides going into 2020, and they're much more a necessity, I would say, to the team's success. And Smith is just kind of a compliment. It's not a bad thing for Smith to be a compliment, but he is just a compliment player. So Nia Smith comes in for me at number 14. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, Ryan Tannehill's debut. This isn't enough to go on. So we're going to have a guest come on, talk a little bit more in depth about the debut, what we can expect from the Titans this year, and how much the former Aggie quarterback has left in the tank. We will see you then. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.